Hello and welcome to the YYC Soccer Podcast. My name is Jason Komet and my co-host is Scott Strasser. Hi, Scott. Hey, Jason. How are you this evening? You know, it's it's been a hectic week in, in um, my day job, but uh, I, I'm really actually looking forward to uh, chatting a little soccer here today and uh, looking forward to the upcoming uh, weekend and the, the big match at Spruce Meadows. Yeah, soccer can be a great distraction from real life. So uh, happy to happy to chat a lot of things soccer with you this evening. Yeah, and if you are a new listener to the podcast, uh, Scott, uh, our regular question, what is the YYC Soccer Podcast all about? So we are a soccer podcast, and we focus on the sport in Calgary specifically. We talk about amateur, collegiate, and professional soccer. Uh, we talk about the Calgarian teams and players from uh, the local soccer community, all the way from the grassroots and amateur levels up to the university and professional leagues. And this episode, we're going to discuss a few different topics. We're going to talk about the, uh, about Cavalry and about their playoff matchup against Forge last weekend and the upcoming match this weekend against Pacific. We have uh, two interviews this week, and uh, one of them is with Anna Hauer from the University of Memphis Tigers. And we also have an interview with uh, Grace Masala with uh, McEwen Griffins. And we'll talk a little bit more about some U Sports and some state updates. And uh, I think that's going to fill us up this week. Yeah, it's rare for us to do two interviews in one episode. Uh, definitely two great interviews this week. Two players have had excellent 2023 post-secondary seasons. Anna Howard uh, down in the NCAA Division One with the University of Memphis Tigers. Obviously a program that has a lot of Calgary connections, as we've talked about in the past. And then Grace Mosala, who I actually learned from this interview, uh, unfortunately suffered a knee injury. But up until then, she was having a very good fall with uh, McEwen University. They're both Calgarians that are playing away from home that have a real knack for finding the net. Uh, we'll get to their interviews in a few minutes. Um, let's delve into uh, Cavalry and we'll talk uh, a little bit about um, last weekend. So as Priest Meadows, uh, Forge came to town and in the first round of the playoffs and uh, Forge, um, they left town with the victory, 2-1 over the Cats, and first loss in a while. Yeah, this was Cavalry's first loss in 10 matches. Uh, They came into it on a nine-game unbeaten run and a five-game win streak. So they were the heavy favorites because Forge actually didn't come into this on a very good run of form. They lost their two last games of the regular season, and they only won four of their last 10. So I was expecting a Cavalry victory, but overall, I mean, Forge, I think, deserved the win. Cavalry did start very well, and they did finish with a lot of tempo as well. But Forge did enough in kind of the middle of the match to secure the win. So basically, the rundown of the game, Forge went up 1-0 off a own goal. I think it was Jesse Daly. It was a corner kick. Yeah, Marco Carducci tried to punch the ball out. It hit Daly on the back of his head and actually just went into the net. So kind of an unlucky way to uh, to go down 1-0. But Forge took a 2-0 lead quite deservedly, I thought, in the second half. And who else but Kyle Becker, who always seems to produce a great performance when he comes to Calgary. He uh, put a, a shot into the top corner, uh, very nice, nicely taken. He was actually my man of the match. He was also the player for Forge who swung in that corner kick that led to the own goal. So Cavalry were 2 nothing down as the game kind of creeped towards the end. Uh, Tommy Wielden Jr. subbed in. Joe Mason, who's been a, mostly an off-the-bench striker this season. It was a good move because 
just a few minutes later, he got his head on the end of a corner kick. And uh, that was at the near post. Uh, nicely done by him. And it was 2-1. From that point forward, Cavalry really put a lot of pressure on Forge's defense. But Forge have always been good at sitting back, absorbing attacks, getting you know their center backs' heads on crosses out of the box. And yeah, Cavalry just kind of ran out of time, lost the match 2-1. When I was watching the match, it just looked like another Forge performance where they just know kind of what they need to do to get the result that they need. And uh, a little bit of luck on that own goal, but that Becker strike, you know, that was brilliant. It was unfortunate, you know, everything had seemed to be going uh, Calvary's way for the last several games. So this was one where the breaks didn't fall their way and and the other team, yeah, they they capitalized and... uh, Hamilton will be the host of the final, and and uh, the Cavs have um, a play one uh, this weekend to earn their right to go to the final. Yeah, Forge, I think, really proved why they're such a strong playoff team. So this is going to be Forge's fifth straight trip to the final. Literally every season of the CPL, Forge has been in the final. It just, you know, they came into the match on a pretty mediocre run of form, but when they need a result or a performance, they get it done, right? Mm-hmm. And watching them play, I mean, it didn't seem like this team was was out of touch at all. Like they were clicking on all fronts for most, for a big of the game. Um, and like I said, Kyle Becker, uh, real leadership from him in the midfield. Cavalry, you know, not a bad performance. They definitely had the the worst luck. But overall, I mean... After the game, I thought Tommy Wielden Jr. and and Dan Klomp, who are the two Cavalry reps who spoke during the press conference, I thought they'd be a little more frustrated. They actually just kind of shrugged off the the loss and said, you know what, we'll go again next week. This wasn't a knockout game, thankfully, and uh, we'll just try and get it done against Pacific at home. So just to to recap, the the match against uh, Pacific at Spruce Meadows Saturday at 2, and the winner of that match we'll go on to Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton on Saturday, October 28th, and that'll be the finals. So it's do or die this weekend. Yeah, this is going to be the second last match of the season. There's only three teams left in the running. I have to think that Forge has the upper hand simply because the final is going to be on their own turf. Um, I've talked to a couple Cavalry players over the years who've all said that, you know, Tim Hortons Field is a, a tough place to get a result. Uh, it's windy, the pitch is really big, the turf combined with that wind seems to make the ball roll super fast, which I feel seems to benefit the way Forge play. But that being said, every CPL season, every CPL final has been won by the away team, which is pretty interesting if you think about it. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, because it was Forge in 2019 winning it in Calgary. Uh, 2020 was the Island Games. 2021, Pacific won in Hamilton and then 2022 was Forge winning in Ottawa so yeah every every season has been an away team winning nice random bit of info there I I did not uh, connect the dots on that myself so cool but I mean one thing that is also an interesting bit of info is and I didn't believe this at first Cavalry has not won a playoff game oh really I guess that would be true wouldn't it based on yeah, again, another another thing I never really thought about, but yeah, I've sort of working through the years, that does make sense. So, yeah. Like if we if we think about it, there there're two playoff games in 2019 were both against Forge. They lost the both of them. 2020 was the Island game. They did lose, yeah. 
was it Forger or Halifax they lost to? One of those two. Yeah, they did lose right away, though. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. And then 2021, they lost to Pacific. And then in 2022, they tied Forge at home and then lost to Hamilton in the semifinals. So, yeah, Cavalry is a team that has kind of choked quite a bit in the postseason. And now they're going to have to uh, to stop doing that. And they're going to have to to get their first ever playoff win against Pacific. Yeah, and with the, the way that um, they've played Pacific, I feel like going into this match, like they've got to be considered you know, the favorites. But I would say that that being said, the pressure's on them. They've, they're the ones that are, that are going to be playing at home. They're the ones that have the really good season. So I would say Pacific right now could probably walk in and say that um, anything we get out of this is a, is unexpected bonus at this point. So uh, I think, yeah, the pressure's going to be on the Cavs. Uh, and I think they'll be favored. And I think think they've got a pretty good chance of, of, of winning. But it's um, yeah, the pressure's on them. I think you're right. Yeah. And I agree that um, if they were going to be playing Halifax, I'd be a little less confident in Calvary's, uh, in Calvary getting a victory. Halifax was playing really, really well. Um, and they were arguably the team that should have won that game against Pacific last week, but Pacific managed to win it 1-0. I was looking at uh, the overall series between Cavalry and Pacific this year. I thought it was fairly even, but it actually wasn't. Uh, Cavalry won three, and then they drew the other one. Uh, so Cavalry claimed 10 points out of a possible 12 against Pacific this season. They also played in the Cup uh, very early on, back in April, and that was a draw, which uh, Pacific then went on to win the penalty shootout. But overall, Cavalry have had the upper hand over uh, the Vancouver Islanders this this season. Well, we'll be watching that one with great interest and uh, talking about it next week. Let's move on. Uh, we're going to get to our first interview this week. And um, I guess as a bit of a preamble, we should uh, probably talk about every Calgary soccer fan's uh, favorite NCAA team, uh, University of Memphis. We should give a bit of an update because um, this team has four Calgarians on it. Uh, and probably the one that most people might would be most familiar with is Maya Jones, who's playing her fifth year and previous podcast guest. She's with the club. And also there have been some mid-season rankings done by Top Drawer Soccer. And uh, Maya Jones has, has been ranked uh, 31st place uh, overall in the top 100 upperclassmen. And I think that shows pretty well on, on uh, the season she's doing. But when you start talking about our, our podcast guest, uh, she's also hit the Top Drawer Soccer rankings as well. So we're going to interview Anna Hauer, and she's a, a freshman at uh, University of Memphis. And in that top 100 uh, freshman of the year so far, in women's NCAA soccer, she's ranked uh, number 18. So that's a, that's a pretty uh, high number and uh, speaks to her performance thus far. Absolutely. Yeah. Anna Hauer is um, the youngest of the, I think the four Calgarians who are playing for Memphis. Uh, the other two would be Isabel Monk and Grace Storty. So uh, there's the Foothills WFC connection down in Memphis. Anna Hauer has come in though and had a solid, solid, um, inaugural NCAA season. So I'll let her talk about it. But uh, yeah, it was good to chat with her about her successful first year of post-secondary soccer. Yeah, and we're recording this on a Thursday night and uh, um, Memphis actually played tonight. And um, in that match, they won 4-0 and, and uh, Anna scored another goal. So she's now got seven goals this season. So as the season began, I'm just looking at her, her game-by-game stats she played 
less the first few games, but uh, but just to get a bit of an idea, um, in the last four games, she scored four goals. So she's um, she's definitely been uh, coming on strong here uh, as the season has uh, progressed, and uh, it's hard to hard to argue uh, from a freshman season standpoint. I I think you couldn't really ask for much more than this. No, she's definitely earned that uh, top 20 ranking by top draw soccer. So it seems like she's really hit the ground running in Memphis. And yeah, it seems like this is the point where, you know, if she keeps scoring, the coach has to keep picking her, right? Like that's kind of how it works when you're, when you're picking your, your team sheet and you want to decide which striker to field. So good for her. And uh, I guess I'll let her take it away from here. Yeah. Let's run the interview now. I'd like to welcome Anna Howard to the podcast. Anna is a Calgarian, and she is currently in her freshman season with the University of Memphis Tigers, and um, she's having a, a pretty standout uh, freshman season. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Anna. Thank you for having me. So can we maybe just start by talking a little bit about your background? You know, I know that, you know, you're from Calgary, and, and you know, prior to going to Memphis, you were spending time with the Whitecaps, but can you sort of uh, tell us about your soccer journey? Yeah, so I actually played soccer from a young age, like four, and I kind of played soccer and hockey up to like 13. I kind of had to choose, and I ended up choosing soccer. So I played at Southwest United for a couple of years, and then I actually ended up moving to Foothills. And then after the UWS season, uh, Lee Tucker helped me get to the Whitecaps program. So I was able to go over there and live in Vancouver to finish like from grade 11 to 12 and then just be a part of the Whitecaps program in Vancouver. And then that also opened the gates to being on the Canada U17 team. As I mentioned, your freshman season at Memphis has been going really quite well. I noticed actually that um, Top Drawer Soccer had you listed as the number 18 freshman uh, across the nation this year. And I, I'm not sure if there have been other rankings, but I, I saw that one. So congrats on that. Like, how does it feel knowing that a lot of people are considering you one of the top freshmen in the nation this year? It's really exciting that like I even have the opportunity to play as a freshman and I'm happy that the coaches um, trust me to be on the field as a freshman and just having the chance to even play. And I'm surrounded by people from Calgary like Maya Jones for example and Sarah Miller like fifth year seniors who've done a lot already in Memphis and it's really cool to like play with them it's like like I'm really excited that I was um, considered to be one of the top freshmen the connection with the University of Memphis and Calgary you already mentioned in that previous answer about Maya Jones and the, the other Calgarians how much of a factor was it knowing that there were the other Calgarians there in your decision to join Memphis? I think it played uh, like a huge part just because I've seen like success of them in the program and just like overall the program was pretty successful, but it was nice to know like that people from like where I've been and like what the level I was at, that they were able to have success there. So I think just watching their journeys made, made it more like, like intriguing for me to come as well as just playing with them. Right. I'd like to ask what you think about the level of NCAA Division One. Uh, obviously, this is your first exposure to it, but it seems like you've really uh, hit the ground running. But what are some of the biggest challenges you faced at this level, and and how have you how have you felt about your own adaptation to it? 
I think the biggest thing that was different from like college soccer to what I was playing before is the game is just like faster and more direct, I'd say. And like more physical, like the girls are bigger and faster and stronger. So for me, just like being able to like match that like physicality and speed and stuff like took me a little bit in like the speed of play almost like before I could almost take more touches and I'd have more time on the ball. But it took me a while to adapt to like taking less touches or maybe not beating as many people and like learning like kind of a quicker style of play, I'd say. And this past summer, you played in League One BC with the Whitecaps. Um, what was that experience like? What's what are your thoughts about League One BC? Uh, I really enjoyed League One BC. That was my second season playing. I think it will continue to probably get bigger and more competition. I'd say that uh, some of the like teams aren't as strong as others. Like it's it's like very divided. It's like either really strong or like not to the level but i think like over time it's like going to be a really good league so were you living with billets then when you go out to vancouver yeah so i actually billeted first with izzy monk my my mm-hmm. first year being in vancouver so i lived with her and then my best friend naima from calgary as well who's at west virginia lived with me this year or okay. this past year. yeah okay nice vancouver is a nice place to spend the summer i can imagine Yes, it's nice. Talking about yourself as a player, what do you believe are like your strongest attributes or or the qualities that you feel set you apart and contribute to your success? I think my biggest thing is taking taking people on 1v1. It's probably my strongest attribute and like finding the net, yeah. finding ways to score goals or even assist goals and just overall just a hard worker. Was dribbling something, like, did you put a lot of effort and, and time into that when you were younger? I mean, what were you doing to kind of become good at going going against defenders 1v1? Uh, I'd work a lot on 1v1s, like, throughout my time like, playing soccer. But I'd also have, like, uh, like private technical sessions where I'd, like, work on that stuff. So I'd go, like, an hour before training, work on technical session, and then try, like, use that in my practice, like, that the hour later and, and what would you say is the secret to being you know a good player attacking people 1v1 or is it mostly just down to uh to time commitment and, and doing it over and over well i think the biggest thing is like having the confidence in yourself to actually go with the player and know that not every time you're not going to get around the person and like s- believing in yourself that you didn't maybe if you didn't get it the first time to go again and i, I guess a big thing is timing as well as when you're going to make the move can't be too close to defender and the biggest thing i'd say too is once you've made that move to accelerate after and like a change of pace can really like move defenders or even like body feints. yeah definitely okay so looking ahead anna um what are your goals aspirations for the rest of this season and for your soccer career in general uh for the rest of the season um obviously we're gonna try to go all the way uh, in the end, or I guess just focusing on winning the season and conference tournament. And then this is a really talented group, I'd say. And I think we can go even all the way in NCAA. Um, so winning those types of big championships for like my overall soccer career, I really want to go play professional soccer, maybe overseas somewhere, and hopefully be a part of the Canadian national team one day. 
Yeah, that's that's great. Last thing I'd like to ask you, Anna, is about balancing academics and and uh, soccer commitments. I know that can be a big part of uh, of post secondary sport. And and how has it been for you? Uh, you know, balancing your courses with your training commitments and your traveling. Uh, I think like the first few weeks was a bit like eye opening because in high school you kind of have a lot of time. You don't travel a lot. And the class, like, there's not as many classes. So, like, the first few weeks, uh, I felt, like, pretty, like, overwhelmed and, like, finding a way to balance. But once I kind of started figuring it out and, like, making, like, weekly plans of what I'm going to do for school when, while I'm balancing soccer, it really helps. So now I feel like it's pretty easy now, I'd say. But, like, if we travel a lot, sometimes I get, like, a bit behind. But balancing it, I feel like it's time management, too. Yeah, and when you're playing at a high level from a young age onward, it's kind of something you get used to. Yeah, for sure. Scott, Scott's not mentioning it, but uh, he was um, a, a bit of a player back in the day, so uh, uh, he 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 knows what that's like. He played for he played at a reasonably high level when he was younger. So uh, yeah, I never I I never did. <laughs> never, def, def, definitely not NCAA did one though. Let's be real. <laughs> no, no, but uh, your UC is okay. Yeah. But. No, that, like I said, that was my last question for you, Anna, but uh, thanks for, thanks for joining us. Congrats on, on a, a great season so far. And, and, you know, we hope it continues on uh, uh, into the rest of the season and we'll be following along with your career going forward, you know, with a lot of interest. So uh, thanks for taking the time. We appreciate it. And uh, yeah, all the best. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you very much to Anna Howard for taking the time to do the interview and uh, We'll keep watching the University of Memphis. I believe earlier this week they were ranked number nine or number 10. I think it depended on uh, which poll you were looking at. Uh, but they're really in the top 10 nationally, and, and that doesn't account for um, this win that they uh, notched here on, on Thursday night. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how far they can go. Yeah, definitely. The um, It's quite the story that one of the best university soccer teams in the U.S. has sizable contingent of Calgary players on it. That's really cool. Let's move on to um, uh, U-Sports, and we'll start by talking about U-Sports women's. Their, their regular season ended last weekend, so let's talk about the Dinos, and they played two matches. They played uh, McEwen, they tied uh, 1-1, I believe, uh, Scott, you referred to that one as the Diogo Raposo Derby, which uh, is accurate. And the then the Dinos finished off with uh, a victory against University of Alberta 3-0, so that puts them into... Uh, third place in the Prairie Division. Their record was 8-2-4. and four. And their playoff matchup, they're going to have to play uh, number five nationally ranked uh, Trinity Western on Friday, October 27th. And their national ranking right now is uh, number 10. Uh, they were unranked last week, but uh, they're back up to number 10. They've got the week off, and, and uh, next week they got to play a tough match against uh, Trinity Western. Yeah, it was a pretty decent finish to the regular season for the Dinos. Four points to uh, to finish with a top three placement in their division. I think Trinity Western is going to be a very tough matchup for them. Uh, do you know if that's going to be in Langley or is that going to be at the UFC? I presume it's going to be out in BC because they finished higher. I think they were in second place in, in the Pacific Division and they're higher ranked. So I just sort of presumed it was there, but I actually don't know that. Okay, but regardless i think that's a that's a tough opponent for the dinos so uh, it'll be interesting to see how they fare the mount royal women's team they lost uh, a couple matches um, over the weekend to trinity western and uh university of fraser valley they ended up with seventh place in the pacific division a record of uh, four seven and three so yeah that pacific division is pretty tough 
when you're the Alberta team coming in there. So, so that, so that'll wrap up the Cougar season for this year. And, uh, on the women's U sports side, we'll, um, we'll be focusing on, uh, the dinos next week. Right. Yeah. The Cougars had a pretty tough last weekend, losing five, nothing to Trinity Western. And then following that up with a three, nothing loss to Fraser Valley. So eight goals against and zero goals for, I presume that's on a road trip, right? That was out in Langley and Abbott. yes, I, I believe so. Yes. Yeah. yeah so tough, tough last trip. I wonder if I think once it was no longer mathematically possible, maybe that just took the wind out of their sails. Yeah. Our second guest this week is Grace Masala. And Grace, as we mentioned a little bit earlier in the podcast, she's Calgarian. She's with McEwen University. And earlier in the year, she was scoring a lot of goals, especially winning goals at key times. She was having a fantastic season. Unfortunately, uh, as it's talked about in, in this uh, interview, she had a knee injury, so she's out of action right now. But even though she's on the sidelines for the rest of uh, this season, we reached out to Grace, and, and even though she's in doing rehab and stuff, uh, yeah, she she was able to uh, do a bit of interview for us. Yeah, and even before this uh, U-Sports season, she was playing really well in League One. So she was having a great 2023, and yeah, very unfortunate to have suffered a, a bad knee injury. Hopefully she can recover fully from that and, and come back strong next year as well. Yeah, so we'll run that right so I'd like to welcome Grace Masala to the podcast. Grace is with the McEwen University and their women's soccer team, and she's a native of Calgary. Welcome to the podcast, Grace. Thanks for having me. Now that your season is complete, the regular season, how do you feel about the team's performance uh, so far? Um, getting first place in the Prairie Division, are, are, are you happy with that uh, result thus far? Yeah, we definitely have big goals this season, and... That was one of the boxes we checked off. We finished our season 10-2-2, and and that's the best record we've had since joining Ken West. So we're definitely trending in the right direction. And yeah, I'm proud of our performance so far. And for yourself, I know that um, you suffered an injury um, several games ago. And, and actually, before we started uh, hitting the record button, I, I found out it's actually a bit more serious and, and long-term than, uh, than I had realized originally. Do you want to talk about that for a, a couple minutes? Yeah, so on September 17th, during our game, I tore my ACL. So it's been about a month now, and I'm still in the pre-surgery kind of process, just trying to get my range of motion and looking to strengthen before heading into surgery so that when I come out, I'm strong and ready to hit rehab. That is uh, unfortunate. Um, I did want to ask a little bit about top 10 rankings and, and uh from an outsider's perspective, looking at this, and I see that McEwen won the the Prairie Division yet. You haven't cracked the top 10 this year in the national rankings. I kind of found that odd. Uh, I was a bit surprised at that because, you know, it just seems like you should be in there. So we had talked a little bit prior to recording. You said that's more regarding previous season and, and stuff. But does that still, do you find that the team finds that motivating in any way or, or does that make no difference? It's motivating but it's not our biggest focus we know that it's baby steps throughout the whole season and we just got to tackle things um in stride and not look too ahead so yeah we're not in the top 10 and but you know we're still playing our way and we're still finding results and i think that's the best part about it we don't have to be top 10 to feel like we're a top 10 kind of team although you're from calgary you've spent the last few years really being based in Edmonton. And I know last summer you played League One Alberta with St. Albert. Do you want to talk about 
uh, League One Alberta and what that experience was like? Yeah, this exhibition series, I think it was a good first um, kind of trial run for League One Alberta. And I think it was successful and I'm looking forward to the growth of it. Um, just being able to stay here in Edmonton and play with a few of my teammates at McEwen and still be coached by Dean, I think it was good leading into this season. And uh, I'm looking forward to how the rest of League One will proceed moving forward. On that same topic of, of League One, uh, I wanted to mention this. I know that um, your previous coach with Blizzard when you were playing Calgary, Diogo Raposo, you uh, had to face him in League One and you've also had to face him uh, as he's coaching the Dynamos. What's it like to to face your old coach like that? I think Diogo really knows me as a player. So it's kind of, it's a kind of chess match, I guess, when I'm playing against his kind of team because not only was he my previous coach, but I also played with a bunch of his players as well. So we're very familiar with each other. And, you know, for 90 minutes, we are opponents. But after the game, sometimes he'll shoot me a text and we're always, we're, we chat a bit. And um, yeah, it's just good to know, even though he's coaching the Dinos, he's still rooting for me and still supporting me. Yeah, actually, um, one thing I was going to mention, we interviewed Diogo prior to the League One Alberta final. And and one of the questions that we had asked at that point was, what's it going to be like to face you? And and he basically said the same thing. He he said that um, you know each other well, and and but uh, you're you're rooting for each other, even though maybe not for exactly those ninety minutes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, you still have lots of connections to Calgary, so you're even though you've been playing and, and going to school in Edmonton, you're still making it back to Calgary on a pretty regular basis. You you still have family and lots of connections here, and that's correct. Yeah, my family's uh, back in Calgary still, and normally I'll come back definitely for Christmas. Um, this weekend, it being a bye weekend, uh, I'm going home actually tomorrow, and I'll stay there for the weekend, so that'll be good. Excellent. Looking ahead, I know you've got surgery and rehab uh, front of your mind, but what are your longer-term goals and aspirations for your career in soccer, including you know university and beyond? Yeah, um, I definitely want to continue playing soccer for as long as possible. And I'm definitely looking to continue to play after my time at McEwen's um, over. Um, I'd definitely like to go pro. Um, my biggest goal, I think, would be to represent Canada and just to kind of strive for that. That's great. Well, thanks uh, for taking the time. Uh, we appreciate it. And we wish you all the best in your surgery and your rehab and we're going to continue to follow along with your career with uh, with great interest and, and be rooting for you. So thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Thanks again uh, to Grace Masala for taking the time to do the interview today. And uh, um, as we mentioned, we're, we're um, wishing her all the best in her rehab and uh, we'll be um, catching up with her next year, I'm sure. Let's talk about U Sports men's now and Mount Royal. They, they played a couple matches last weekend. They, defeated University of Alberta 2-1 and they tied McEwen 1-1. So the season is not quite complete yet. There's one final match uh, this upcoming Saturday. It's uh, the Crowchild Classic. But um, first place in the Prairie Division seems almost certain. I think a bunch of things have to happen for them to get knocked out of first and and put into second. So I think first place is pretty close to a done deal. Um, They're definitely in the playoffs and their ranking uh, nationally is still number five. That's uh, a really big win for them against Alberta, isn't it? Because uh, they were kind of jostling for first for a while, weren't they, Alberta? 
yes, Alberta's one of the teams that is uh, is a stronger team that has been behind them. So yeah, this definitely separated out Mount Royal from from everybody else that that victory for sure. And then a McEwen as well. I mean, good good draw overall. And again, like I think that was a case where maybe they uh, they were resting their starters after a tough match against uh, the Golden Bears the day before. For the Dinos, they um, they tied McEwen as well, uh, 4-4. That would have been an interesting one, eight, eight goals. And they also played Alberta, and they lost 1-0. So their position in the playoffs is still a little bit less clear. They're currently in, in fourth place. They could move to third place, which is possible if they can get a result in the Crowchild Classic. It is also possible they could drop down to fifth, but that seems rather unlikely. A bunch of things would have to happen. So they've got the Crowchild Classic uh, coming up. It looks like the playoffs are, are going to be happening. It's just exactly where they're going to be. And I think from the point of view, you always want to be in the top three so you can avoid that play-in game, I guess. But uh, but yeah, they are um, they seem to be in the mix, but um, exactly where they end up yet, that's, that's still in question. Yeah, and I think this will be a really interesting Crowchild Classic because like you mentioned, MRU is pretty much going to finish in regardless. And I would imagine they're going to want to rest some of their starters. And then you have the Dinos coming in who do still have positioning to play for. So they're really going to be going for it. But MRU is so strong and they're going to be at their home pitch. I, I still feel like that's a tough place to go and get a result for the Dinos. I hope it's a good sized crowd. I was actually really hoping that uh, Cavalry would, would beat uh, forge last weekend so they'd have the buy this weekend and, and i could go watch the pro child classic instead um, i'm not sure i think those two games overlap this weekend so i think there's there's at least a partial overlap it would be uh it would be a challenge to i don't think you could go to both of them and see both of them in their entirety yeah which is too bad but obviously you know kind of hard to avoid at this point of, of both seasons but uh yeah um if if you're a fan of local university soccer definitely go check out the pro child classic at emory this saturday all right let's move over to um the acac and talk a little bit of sate um on the men's side the sate men lost they lost to, to red deer uh 2-1 which is their first loss of the season and probably their first close game of the season <laughs> actually and then they followed that up with a, a win against uh lethbridge seven uh, nil so they're in first place in the South Division. They've got they've clinched for spot, playoff spot. They do play one more match this weekend. Their national ranking dropped. It was number two. Now they're number three. So um, a bit of a surprise uh, on the men's side. I guess we've just been so, so used to seeing um, them just demolish everybody. And then I, I remember when I looked at this result, I was like, wait, wait a second. Is that right? And yes, yes, it is. So, so we had that on the men's side. And on the, the women's side... Um, State women played Red Deer. They won 5-0. And then they had the big uh, rematch against Lethbridge College. And they were able to pull out the 1-0 victories. So they are in first place in the South Division with a record of 10-1. And the way the, the, the way everything looks like it's going to play out, they're, they're in the driver's seat for first place. But they'll end up no worse than second and uh, ranked 13th nationally. And they'll be definitely going to the playoff tournament, uh, not this upcoming weekend, but next weekend up in Edmonton. Yeah, they still have a match against Medicine Hat College on the weekend, I believe. Yeah, I think that is, that's their final match, yes. Okay, yeah. So a couple talking points worth mentioning. Um, definitely that 
state men aren't inv invincible after all as they lose to second place Red Deer uh, in their first game of the weekend. They obviously got back to their usual winning ways quite quickly, beating Lethbridge 7 nothing. I imagine that match against Red Deer would have been a really good one. But yeah, better weekend for State's women as they got some revenge uh, over that lost to Lethbridge earlier this season. They've been the two top teams in the division. I was going over some of State's stats, and they've now scored 70 goals this season, or an average of nearly seven per game. Um, and one player who really sticks out is Megan Weeb, who has set a single-season scoring record for the Trojans. She has 17 goals in 11 games. She also has 11 assists, so she's far and away the ACAC's scoring leader this season. The runner-up in the scoring charts has 10, so she has seven more than the next highest scorer. And I was looking at her overall career for State, and Weep has also scored double digits before. Uh, she got 11 in 2021, and she got 9 in 2022. So every season of her ACAC career, she's had more goals than games, which is crazy consistent. She's up to 39 goals in 24 matches overall very interesting player. She's she's actually not particularly young. Like She's not one of these players who have come into the team straight from high school. Uh, she actually went to the University of Calgary and got a degree um, and wasn't playing soccer during that time and then kind of came back to it. Yeah, quite the campaign for uh, Megan Weeb. Yeah, it's an interesting backstory there. I wasn't too uh, familiar with that. So I guess that just goes to show that there's um, there's many different pathways and, uh, and people take in their, in their career. And uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it seems like she probably could have had a great end for the Dinos when she was at the UFC, but it, CTV actually did a story about her back in 2021 when she had her first year with State and was balling the net every every weekend. Um, and she talked about how she wanted to just focus more on her academics. She played competitive high-level soccer as a youth, but I guess didn't uh, didn't want to continue that into, into youth sports. But back to the sport a little bit later, I don't know exactly how old she is, but I would guess mid-20s at least, and uh, she's just tearing up ACAC. So just wanted to give her a shout-out because she's had quite the year. Yeah, well, those numbers are, are pretty eye-popping for sure. Yeah, I mean, say in general, their numbers are eye-popping this year. Like like I said, 70 goals in, in 11 matches, but like she's gotten a big chunk of them, and she's assisted on them too. So just wanted to say kudos to Megan Weeb for a, a great year, and it's obviously not over yet. For sure. Thank you for listening to the YYC Soccer Podcast. You can subscribe to this podcast using all the usual podcasting platforms. Head over to our website at yycsoccer.com. There's more information there about how to subscribe or to leave a question or comment. You can also follow us on Twitter at yycsoccer403. Thanks for listening.